Joseph is enslaved at Potiphar's house in Egypt. And all is well until Potiphar's wife notices the handsome young slave. Find out if Joseph passes the test on The Bible Brief. Judah, Jacob's fourth son, has shown himself to be unrighteous. Through the illicit conduct with his daughter-in-law Tamar, he's shown to be untrustworthy, immoral, and unjust. And as his daughter-in-law exposes his actions, he hits rock bottom. That's where we left the story of Judah. But that's not where Judah's story ends. God is weaving his plan through Judah. And with twins produced through his daughter-in-law, we see God continuing to ensure that this man has offspring to continue his lineage. But we can't forget about one of Judah's other sins. Remember, it was his idea that Jacob's favorite son Joseph should be sold into slavery. And that's what all Joseph's brothers did. They sold him. And now Joseph is in Egypt, in the house of a man named Potiphar. Let's read Genesis chapter 39. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who'd brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight, and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house, and put him in charge of all that he had. Notice the contrast here between the account of Judah and the account of Joseph so far. In the account of Judah, God was in the background of the story, using the events for his purpose of providing offspring for Judah. But here, with Joseph, God is front and center. It says that the Lord was with Joseph, and his master saw that the Lord was with Joseph, and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. All these references are showing that God is with Joseph, despite his current occupation as a slave in Egypt. Joseph is so enabled by God that his master Potiphar places him in control of everything in the house. Potiphar is being enriched with abundance as a byproduct of God being with Joseph. Already, this is quite the contrast to Judah's actions in the previous chapter. After the description of the successful leadership of Joseph over the house of Potiphar, the Bible then gives us an important description of Joseph that sets up the great test of Joseph's life. It simply says, Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. Imagine you're in the household of Potiphar and you see Joseph. Outside of being a slave, which admittedly is a big deal. Outside of that, he has everything going for him. Everything he puts his hand on is successful. His plans succeed, the household is being enriched, and everyone knows that it's Joseph's doing as God has empowered him. Not only that, but Joseph is a good-looking guy. He's perhaps the picture of success in both looks and deeds. And as you might guess, this begins to attract attention. Unfortunately, it's the kind of attention that Joseph does not want. After a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master, Potiphar, has no concern about anything in his house, and he has put everything in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. 
How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Potiphar's wife has seen all the success of Joseph, not to mention seen his handsome appearance. And so she propositions Joseph to take part in an affair with her, saying, Lie with me. But Joseph, in a well-spoken refusal, says that he will do no such thing, mentioning especially that this would be a wicked sin against God to take his master's wife. He passes the test with flying colors. And yet the test keeps happening, becoming more subtle. We read next that, as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her, to lie beside her, or to be with her. Notice here that Potiphar's wife propositions apparently changed a bit. Day by day, she was attempting to seduce Joseph, and she begins to propose alternatives to him. Instead of lie with me, it was lie beside me. Instead of lie with me, it was be with me. She had probably realized that the direct approach wouldn't work on Joseph, and so she began just to try to nudge him into sin, as if she was saying, What's the big deal, Joseph? We'd just be lying beside each other. I'm just a little cold. What's the big deal, Joseph? I just want to be with you for a while. I love talking to you so much. You're so wise. What's the big deal, Joseph? Listener, take note for your own life from this test of Joseph. Little temptations are often the introduction to serious sins against God. How long do you think Joseph would have lasted merely lying next to Potiphar's wife? Beware, a little knife is just as deadly as a large sword, because it's not primarily the size of the weapon, it's the sharpness that makes the cut. Despite being constantly tempted by the wife of his master, the text tells us that Joseph would not listen to her. He was remaining faithful to his master Potiphar, and more importantly, faithful to God. Let's keep reading. But one day, when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand, and fled and got out of the house. Potiphar's wife just wouldn't stop. And one day, when no one else is in the house, she gets aggressive. She goes back to her direct approach by grabbing his robe and demanding that Joseph lie with her. But Joseph still yet defeats her scheme by fleeing from the house, even leaving behind his robe in the woman's hands. Rather than succumbing to the temptation in the way that Judah had with the apparent prostitute, Joseph has shown his faithfulness to God in his consistent refusal to sleep with his master's wife. He's passed the test again and again and again. However, this time around, with robe in her hand, Potiphar's wife has a wicked idea. As soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard it, I lifted up my voice and cried out. He left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment by her until his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came in to me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. Just as Joseph's robe was used by his brothers as deceitful evidence of his death, so here his robe is once again used as deceptive evidence of his apparent sin against Potiphar's wife. 
And who are the people of the house going to believe? The Hebrew slave or the master's wife? Even though Joseph had managed the household to great success, he still was just a slave. And Potiphar himself hears his wife's concocted story. As soon as Potiphar heard the words that his wife spoke to him, This is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. Joseph's life had gone from favorite son of his father Jacob down to a pit of confinement. Up from the pit to beg for mercy from his brothers, only to be sold to slavery down in Egypt. Up from a common slave to be household manager, only to be falsely accused and thrown into prison. Joseph's life has been anything but smooth. From the outside, it may have appeared that God had abandoned Joseph to a turbulent spiral downward in life. But the Bible tells us otherwise. The next words are this, But the Lord was with Joseph, and showed him steadfast love, and gave him favor in sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge, because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. God has not removed Joseph from the trials of his life. Instead, God has been with Joseph through the trials. Because as we'll find out, the trials have been part of a big plan. A big plan for Joseph to ultimately rule over many in Egypt as he saves the lives of countless people. Joseph has been planted like a seed into an obscure prison cell in Egypt. And in God's timing, that seed is going to sprout. What appeared dead and buried will soon abound in benefit to the world. And from a prison cell, God will make a leader. But it's all going to start how Joseph's story began. It's going to start with dreams. Join us next time as we see some dreams of Joseph's fellow prisoners that ultimately caused Joseph to have an audience with Pharaoh himself. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023